Since the publishing of my first book, Unbound, 100 Days of Intent, massive changes have occurred. I ended the epilogue of my book with these excerpts. When the basics of humanity are not laid as the foundation, any life we try to build will not stand. So much of what I lived through depended on several things I was missing in my life. Love, trust and acceptance, boundaries and values. There was one other gift to me that needed to be opened, the gift of choice. All along, there was the ability to choose my path and until I embraced that concept, there was never going to be changed. As I unlocked, unleashed, unlearned and unbound myself from the very experience of my traumatic past, one step I had been resistant to was choosing to trust the process and look deeper. It's not that I wasn't learning or working through the effects of trauma. I wasn't willing to risk trusting myself to access a deeper part of me, my anger and shame surrounding the loss of my rights of passage because of misplaced loyalty. And this is where the story begins. Diving deep once again, but this time into the anger and shame that I have been so afraid to acknowledge, fearing that unlocking it would bring punishment, discredit to my family or myself if I acknowledged that there's an angry and grieving teen who needs to be unleashed from her pain. I invite you to join me for an exclusive episode as guest Marvin Hitson Jr. and myself look at recovering from stolen teen rights of passage. Let's get started. And hey, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> well, that was a surprise. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I'm so happy to talk to you today um, on the on this this episode. I don't know if it's a special episode or not, but it's a special topic to me. Um, it's one that recently came to my awareness. Actually, I've been working with Phil again. And um, we're going through a, a, a segment called Superiority Paradigm, mm -hmm. as well as um, it's part of the Way of Impeccability series that he, that you know, he teaches. Mm -hmm. But um, part of the segment or the modules that I'm going through is on feelings and beliefs and working through discernment and understanding a lot of, you know, what I've been holding back mm -hmm. because with my writing and I'm giving you a little bit of a, a background here, why I contacted you uh, to be a guest on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. Well, what has happened was, you know, you're familiar with my journey, the past, what, two, two and a half years, somewhere in there. Right. And overall, I have been fighting against myself. I've been fighting my anger for a long time. Um, repressing it, suppressing it, trying to teach myself, you know, to be at peace with myself, to develop that inner sense of safety, um, to just overall be positive, knowing that you change your mindset and, you know, you can change your beliefs in your life. Well, that's all good. But there comes a point, though, when I noticed I kept getting um, triggered or having trauma reminders when it came to the topic of uh, you know, teens, um, sexual violence, domestic violence, and teens being on their own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look at a lot of the younger population right now, and I'm not so much alarmed as I am saddened. Because mm -hmm. what I'm witnessing is there's a lot of teens, including, you know, my teen self, who missed the rites of passage. Mm -hmm. And when I discovered that about myself, when I actually made that connection, I got to thinking about how many people in my life that who had missed their rites of passage. And then I re reflected on your story and a few of our other friends, our mutual friends, mm -hmm. and wondered um, how many of us are still struggling with some of that anger or feeling like we're just, we're working, working, working to improve our lives, to move forward, um, to achieve the things that we want to achieve, but we just can't because we missed a very vital developmental milestone. Mm -hmm. And is there a way to 
recover from that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I invited you today, because I wanted to have this conversation with you, um, an open conversation as to your thoughts on this. And I know that we haven't really discussed this. We did briefly for just a few moments, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a topic that's really approached too much as how do we get over that developmental milestone? Now, I've seen your success. I've seen you progress over what, the last two years now, Mm -hmm. um, we had a conversation before about shame and how you've overcome that. But, um, so let's just start there, I guess, you know, talk to me, what are your thoughts on, on, on all of this? And do you see where this could be a problem for adults trying to move beyond their own situations, their relationships, their struggles with jobs, struggles with friends, feeling good about themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again, Cher, for having me on today. I'm, I'm super happy to be here. I know it's been a long time since we last spoke, but uh, I definitely mm-hmm. think this is a very important discussion to have, especially for any young listeners out there, um, because I know we're both in our adult ages now. Um, so this definitely hits home for both of us. Um, and yeah, right off the bat, I'll say that you know, a lot of this really just stems from childhood um, for, for the adults out there that are listening. I know for myself, you know, I was struggling uh, a lot um, as a kid and into my teenage years with, you know, the self-confidence kind of thing, you know, kind of touching on the last episode we did together about, you know, me talking about my story about shame and how that tied into my lack of self-confidence and really just how overall I was raised and, you know, not being able to fully um, know how to cope with my emotions during that time as a teenager, you know, with all the things I was going through, being bullied at school for being a different race, ethnicity, you know, growing up in the South, you know, that whole little spiel, I won't go too deep into it. But I think, you know, a lot of it really just stems from childhood and us not, I guess, so to speak, making peace with how we were growing up or how we grew up, so to speak, excuse me, um, and, and not fully addressing that point in our lives, whether it's doing our own self-reflection or even talking directly with the people who were involved in some of those events, some of those traumatic experiences, you know, because, you know, I'll speak for myself on this, on this case. I know for me, for myself, when it came to addressing those past experiences, there was just a lot of fear to go back and address those actual experiences because we knew what it was like back in the day, like those emotions we felt and all that good stuff, we, or all that bad stuff, excuse me. We knew how it felt back in the day. So it's, 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 it's a scary thought and a scary idea for us to be like, do I really need to go back and deal with that again? You know, but we can, yeah. see, we can see that it's still affecting us even to this day, whether it, like you said, w- whether it's a, a relationship that you're currently in or you're trying to get into, but you don't know how to, you know, for instance, like, ask a girl out or ask a guy out, whether it's a career, you don't know whether to ask your boss for a promotion or not. Like little, I, I know those sound like little things, but honestly, at the end of the day, they're really, really major impacts into our adulthood because ultimately that's going to either, you know, help us progress or not moving forward in our lives. Um, so again, I think that's um, a huge, a huge thing there, huge factor there as far as uh, all of this stemming from childhood. You, you touched on a very good point about having that conversation with our parents. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that the divorce rate, <clears throat> excuse me, the divorce rate, broken homes are more prevalent now than ever. Right. Uh, single parenting homes seem to be the thing. And unfortunately, this also means children are becoming their own parent at right. a very young age. I became my own parent at 16 when I ran away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I never really, I developed insecure attachments, um, misplaced loyalty because, because of those insecure attachments, um, you know, and it, it, that lack of confidence many times, the way I've seen it is I, I often wonder, I, I'm not going to bank on the what ifs. I'm not going to go there, but I mm-hmm. often wonder, had I had a solid foundation of a relationship with one parent or the other, mm-hmm. how confident I would have been to, um, you know, pursue college like I wanted to. Right. To, um, you know, how different 
would my confidence level be? Because it takes, I believe anyways, and what I've seen firmly as well as through scientific studies that when children trust their parents, even as teens, I'm, I'm calling teens children and I apologize guys. <laughs> I'm 61, give me a break. <laughs> when children or teens trust a parent, they don't always take all of their concerns to their friends, you know, but they'll have the confidence to at least explore asking, uh, you know, questions about relationships about, you know, I really like this boy or this girl in school. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to approach them. Can you talk to me about that? Can you work with me on that? Mm-hmm. Um, or how to make friends or giving them the confidence to strike out and apply or like in your case, to stay, to stay with uh, a passion that you have, right. to encourage and pursue passions. Mm-hmm. All of those things to me, we're missing a milestone mm-hmm. when we are not afforded certain rites of passage. Because rites of passage is actually when um, they assist mm-hmm. with the development in our teen years, that transition from teen to adulthood. Mm-hmm. That's a very precarious time of life. They say, you know, zero to two is when we form a lot of our personality and our characteristics. Mm-hmm. But also the second most important milestone in our life is our teen years. And those are the ages between, of course, you know, anywhere actually from 12 to about 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. even 21. Well, then if those are taking from us, we don't we don't have that opportunity to develop a sense of independence. And if we do, it's a struggle. Right. We don't develop that, you know, independence of being. And because this is such a vital time of growth, like you said, like you pointed out, it, it even impacts your jobs, your choices and jobs, your confidence to pursue college or to pursue like you did. Um, you pursued Salesforce, right. you know, and you did it successfully. But it took you a long time of discovery. Right. So I guess for me, having this conversation is important for you to be aware, especially in relationships, because it can even lead into things like ambivalent attachment styles, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the disorganized attachment style. Low self-worth, anxiety, depression, your physical well-being mm-hmm. it affects so much. Mm-hmm. So, that, that was my, my spiel on it, you know, where I wanted to go with it. Um, codependency, it's also a great big factor into whether or not we're going to lean into heavier codependency. It's not the only factor, but right. it is a factor. Um, substance abuse, mm-hmm. it leans heavily into that because if we don't feel that sense of confidence and worth, then we're going to find something to attach to overall is what my point is. And those are unhealthy attachments getting back out of those. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, we can talk all day long about all the effects of lost rites of passage, Mm -hmm. but for you, do you see in your life where there's a point of where you might have lost some of those rites of passage, some of those more precious developmental moments and then how did you bring yourself back out of that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think for me specifically, um, it definitely was around that time frame of my teenage years, like you just spoke of earlier, around that age gap of, let's say, maybe 15 to 18 years old. Um, I was definitely struggling with a lot of self-confidence during that time. And I was uh, pretty big into sports in the time, as, as most young boys are. Um, so that was kind of the one little thing for me that I was truly, you know, happy within myself about, you know, as far as, you know, something that I felt like I could really achieve because I was actually good at it, you know. Um, and I even recall back to one moment during uh, my time playing baseball where I did so well. I hit a grand slam during one of the games and won the game for my team and I. And for those that don't know baseball, not sure what a grand slam is. It's when the bases are loaded. You have three teammates on three bases and then you hit a home run. So that was a a, a pretty amazing moment, a very uplifting moment for myself during that time. Um, But even though I was doing so well, 
you know, during my teens as a, as a, as a ball player, even as a young kid, it goes back to my point earlier. Some of that's the lack of confidence stemmed from my childhood as far as, you know, kind of relationship with, uh, with my parents, more specifically with my father. Um, I remember even having those good games. And even after that game with the grand slam and, you know, we would get back in the car on the way home from the game and, you know, I'm all excited, pumped up. My mom's like, congrats, you know, that's awesome job, baby. You did really well. And then my dad's like, son, you need to run around the bases faster. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's just like those little, those little, little things like that. Like you said earlier, you know, we, we were, when we're at that young of an age, we look to our parents, you know, whether they're present in our life or not, we, we definitely look for that figure, that, that older figure to help guide us through moments like that and to, you know, show us support, show us compassion, all those kind of things that we need to feel, you know, um, loved, appreciated, root, you know, supported, rooting for, like somebody cheering for us, you know, because as kids, yeah. we're going, we're going through so many things at a time. I know, you know, kids are being bullied on a daily basis, you know, um, again, yeah. I, I dealt with racism, you dealt with your traumatic experiences as a kid. So we were definitely looking towards our parents, um, to really just, you know, help us out, lend a lending helping hand, get us out of the situation we were dealing with at a time, really looking to them to have that conversation with us if we wanted to ask those questions like, hey, how can I go about, you know, getting over this bully at school? Or how can I ask this girl on a date? Or how can I tell this guy that I like him? You know, things like that were truly important to us as children back in the day and into our teen years. And one thing that I've learned over the years, share is even into my adulthood, when I do reflect back on my childhood and on moments like that, I, I show my parents, like I look at that situation and how they raised me and, you know, some of those, some of those situations. And, and I look back on it with empathy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I definitely look back on it with compassion because Good. how I realized, especially with my dad, I realized over time how he was raised majority of the time will probably have an impact on how he raised me or was more so the reason on how he raised me. So that's all he knew because I'm sure if my dad <clears throat> had the tools or the emotional intelligence stuff that I've been able to acquire for myself over the years, um, I'm sure, you know, you know, with our time together, as long as we've known each other, all that you know, emotional intelligence, all that knowledge is all that, all of that wisdom that I've gained over the years. I'm sure if he would have had that at the time, he would have instilled, all that upon me but I'm sure yeah. he didn't because he was just not raised that way he was raised in the south you know so yeah. he was taught as a man you know you deal with your emotions on your own time you don't bring them up because they make you look weak or what have you you don't men don't talk about their emotions you know um, it's yeah. just not something men do so knowing that and understanding that that kind of alleviated alleviated the little kind of annoyances if you will that I've had towards you know my past is as far as my childhood growing up because I remember I would get upset about stupid little things like oh my dad never showed me how to change the oil in my car or he never showed me how to change a tire like things you would expect a father and a son to kind of go over as their you know as their kids or at least I mean back when I was a kid you know um but it's just Again, it's just little things like that from our childhood, I think, that, that, that truly make that impact on us even into adulthood. And um, as far as me overcoming that. Stay with us as Marvin shares some vulnerable insights into the laws of teen rites of passage. Um, mm -hmm. during, during that time into my late teens is when my parents got a divorce and you know, that's a whole different conversation oh. for another day, but that is another that's reason. Their loss. Absolutely. And that's another thing that had a true big impact on my life. And it was even with a divorce where I felt like, I, hey, like you need to step up and like, like get ready to, you know, be a man and go get yeah. a job, go get a career, go, go start something for yourself. You know, your parents are going through this, you know, it sucks you know, um, but I was still living with my mom at the time. And I remember even my dad talking to me after they um, got the divorce because he was he was getting moved. At, you know, my mom was telling him to move out. He was telling me, he's like, son, you know, since I was the oldest out of me and my other brother, you're going you're going to have to be the man of the house now. 
you know, and I, and I definitely took that to oh. heart. Um, I remember, excuse me, crying in my mom's arms saying that I was so scared to yeah. have to help her pay bills or anything like that. And she's like, no, honey, don't worry about that. I'm okay. You know, but, um, but anyway, yeah, the divorce just had a, had a true impact on my life. But after the divorce, it really just, when baseball wasn't working out, I wasn't sure what else to do. And I just, I was tired of letting fear and just lack of self-confidence hold me back from actually doing anything at all. So I just went to the military and <laughs> left, left, left boring old Alabama where I was born and raised. Uh, or not born and raised, where I raised most of my childhood. I'm sorry for anybody that's from Alabama out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the little hometown I was in was very boring. That's not to say the rest of Alabama was boring. But I got out of there, went into the military. And honestly, that's where I really kind of grew into myself and really became more independent and slowly but surely that lack of self-confidence started to you know dissipate a little bit not to say that it fully dissipated um, but it started to definitely dissipate a little bit I got a little bit more confidence myself and I got a little bit more you know um, hopeful about what I'm able to accomplish with my life and, and things of that nature. So sorry, I kind of went a little sidetracked no, there. But. No, I, but I have a question for you too regarding that. Okay, yeah. two things actually. Mm -hmm. Safety, I, I'm hearing that there is a strong sense of a lack of safety at that time period when any time when teens are in the midst of their parents' divorce. Right. So, you know, it undermines our sense of safety. Our security mm. is just suddenly split in half and we don't know who to be loyal to. We right. can develop misplaced loyalties at that mm -hmm. point. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, then having that kind of pressure put on you to, well, you're the man of the house now. That's right. a lot for any team to right. have put on top of them. Mm -hmm. um, then the second part then, so, you know, we, we always, we grow up, we raise ourselves at that point. We become our own parent trying to establish a sense of safety. So you chose the military like many do mm -hmm. looking for that sense of safety and support. But I think what they find instead and correct me if I'm wrong, but it can almost be just a placebo. It's, it's a false sense of security, which makes me wonder is that confidence because we have repressed and suppressed all of that anger, all of the frustration, the fear, and that loss of safety mm -hmm. with basically this false bravado. Uh, so let me hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think you're definitely hitting the nail on the head with that because even though I was able to find that um, with going into the military as far as, you know, getting that little boost of confidence a little bit, getting a sense of security there and, you know, after dealing with my parents' divorce, there was still a piece of me that was still feeling like I was missing out on something as far as internally, you know, something about my inner child was still screaming out at me in need of something at the time that I was still struggling with. And that's honestly what led us up to, you know, us meeting up together um, a couple yes. of years back yes. um, is really just addressing whatever traumas that I went through in my past that I had suppressed and put to the side, but eventually they came back up. They came back and resurfaced and resurfaced, themselves in definitely unexpected ways that I didn't that didn't imagine yeah. during the time um, yep. I'm, I'm sure you can relate to that so yeah well you know and that same thing has happened to me again mm -hmm. it, it, so we know we know that it, and and this is this is what I love about be, being unbound you know that that's why I use that term is because unbound is just unbinding yourself from everything that has held us back in the past, including, including anger. Um, right. And uh, many times we don't recognize that we're angry, but we, it can show up in our assumptions about ourselves or about others. It can show up in ways that we're being judgmental um, mm -hmm. and we're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, it can show up in how we treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, my lost rites of passage, of course, were because I became an adult too soon. I was an adult, like I told somebody before, I was running before I learned how to walk. Right. I mean, not in a literal sense, but figuratively. Right. Right. And by the time I um, hit my teen years, yeah, I was terrified when I mm -hmm. ran away from home. Um, I had no idea what to expect. I developed 
horrible attachments, um, surrounded myself in all the wrong circles just to survive. Mm -hmm. And I never really developed that sense of safety. And it showed up. It showed up in all of the relationships, the people that I was always looking to mentor me to um, basically daddy replacements. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I shied away from female relationships because, of course, having been abandoned and, um, right. you know, so it affected me in so many ways. And I never realized until recently when I was unlocking some of this anger mm -hmm. uh, in a healthy way, processing it, you know, writing about it, really examining it, looking at all the things that I missed and what can I replace? Mm -hmm. Well, I know I can't replace mm -hmm. um, that confidence. I can't replace that sense of security. So I have to develop my own. This is interesting that we're talking about this because this is something that I've found myself similarly running into a situation where for me, it definitely deals with you know, being active again, things like that, because this, this more so touches on what happened, what happened to me a few months ago, but, um, you know, I've been recovering from a back issue. I don't remember if I ever told you that, but yeah, yeah, I, you did. yeah I'm recovering from a um, lower back issue that, you know, kind of put me out of, um, put me out of commission for like maybe six months or whatever. Um, yeah, and you know you you know me I love being an active person like you see me doing my Spartan races all the time and stuff like that uh -huh. so <laughs> when mm -hmm. I what, when I wasn't able to really like be my full self and do the things that I enjoy that I really put a sense of depression within me um and it's 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 funny because now that I'm I want to say maybe like 90 percent back to you know being able to do the things that I used to do and I'm I'm absolutely able to actually go for walks now and actually, you know, bend over, touch my toes, things like that, that I couldn't do before because of my back. It's, it's funny that I'm able to do those things, but I still find myself holding myself back from things that I know I'm capable of doing, but mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I just don't have the, I don't know. It's just, I, I think it's honestly just fear holding me back. I don't want to say it's yeah. lack of confidence or lack of drive or whatever. I think it's just really fear that's holding me back from doing it. Yeah. Um, Cause we believe we can do it, but there's just that piece that holds us back. Right, right, right. So it's, it's definitely something that is of importance that needs to be highlighted because if it's that one area in your life that you're holding yourself back from, Imagine if you don't address it, what other areas of your life that you could potentially hold yourself back from, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. like, it uh -huh. can, it can, it can be like a domino effect. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this right now because this is something I've been dealing with more so recently. Um, yeah. But uh, going back to my point, lack of action. Yeah. Just, I would say definitely baby steps to get to where you're trying to get to. Um one of the things that <clears throat> comes to mind that I've actually done a little bit recently, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, um, the famous, uh, I don't know if you want to call her a life coach, um, but she's a famous speaker, Mel Robbins. I'm not sure if you ever heard of Mel oh, Robbins. Oh, yeah. Yep. Love her. Yep. Yeah. Mel Robbins is, is awesome. I've actually listened to her, some of her content recently, and it's, it's amazing stuff. She's been preaching. Um, she's been going around promoting her new book. Um, I don't remember the title of it, but during those conversations that she's had with people, she's been talking to people about <clears throat> doing this one little thing when you get up every day that will, you know, put that boost of confidence back in yourself, put that passion back in yourself, give you, give you something to just smile about for the day ahead, you know, and. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's something that seems so stupid and so simple, but I've actually been trying it for the past couple of days. And I'm like, wow, this is actually actually doing something, you know, and she says to go in front of the mirror and high five yourself. OK, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Again, it sounds it, it sounds so stupid because when I first heard her say it, I was like, that's that's just dumb. Like, why would I do that? But actually, after after a I heard her say that I was actually paying attention to what I actually do when I go into the bathroom, aside from using the bathroom, but I was actually <laughs> paying attention to what I was actually doing and paying attention to my body language. And I noticed that share every morning when I get up in the, when I go get up and go to the bathroom, the first thing I see when I turn the light on is the mirror. 
and I don't even look myself in the eye when I when I see the mirror. It's oh. it's it's really weird. But once you once you pay attention to your body language when you walk into the bathroom and how you, I guess, go in front of the your, mirror. And, your first it, thought. Yeah, like you wouldn't pay attention to something like that. But once you honestly start paying attention, you're like, wow, like I really don't look myself in the eye. And I had to start thinking and ask myself, like, why is that? Am, am I, is it because I'm ashamed with what I see? Is it because I'm not excited for the day? Like asking myself all those kinds of questions. And I honestly, uh-huh. for me specifically, I think it was the first one. I was just ashamed of what I, what, what I see. Um, going back to the whole um, uh, back thing, <laughs> I was so ashamed of how much I've let myself go because I wasn't able to go you know, run or do Spartan race or go to the gym. Like I was just feeling bad for myself, having this self pity for myself that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and eat Domino's every other day. I'm not, I'm going <laughs> to eat, eat my little cousin's little Snickers bars that are in the closet. I'm just like, whatever. Like I didn't care enough about the well being of myself, the health of myself to, you know, continue to eat healthy or at least do what I'm capable of doing to, still do what I enjoy, you know? And yeah. noticing that when I go into the bathroom, I was like, all right, I got I to gotta do something. So I started to incorporate her high five method in the mirror. And again, it's the weirdest thing, but you actually feel a little, little boost of confidence for yourself. You know, any, anytime you high five somebody, it's just such a, a good feeling like, yay, we did it. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that feeling you get when you high five somebody. And when you do that to yourself in the mirror, it just feels so good. And again, for the people listening, I know it sounds weird, but try it out. I'm telling you, it works. Like <laughs> I've been doing it for the past couple of days. And even if I don't feel like getting out of the bed in the morning, I still get up and go in the bathroom. I was like, bro, thank you for getting me up. And I high five myself. I'm like, let's, let's go conquer the day, you know? So, there you go. So little, you- so little things like that, little baby steps like that will definitely help get you back into that routine or, or actually – you know, put things into action, so to speak. So, um, Absolutely. Well, I noticed one of the things for me, and I love that idea. I really do. I'm going to try that in the morning. Actually, I'm going to try it when we're done here. Right. I'm just going to walk to the mirror and high five myself and see what happens. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, just, just showing yourself gratitude for just waking you up in the morning can be the first yeah. step into whatever else you're trying to achieve for yourself in the future. But it's you a know, physical action. It's, it's because, a physical action. Yes. There you go. That's why affirmations do not work for me. I can tell myself all day long, I'm smart, I'm kind, I'm intelligent, and I can write those things. But affirmations, I don't believe them because there's nothing tangible um to to show myself you know so i'm a person of truth i always need some kind of proof and truth behind it yeah that's where you know like when you spoke of shame shame and anger are deeply related Mm -hmm. very much so related shame masks anger and anger vice versa Mm -hmm. um so when it comes like to me for that anger that i've been trying to i guess walk through and navigate Mm -hmm. it's feeling sorry for myself. Um, you know, I'm trying, knowing my story, it's very difficult for me to hold compassion for my abusers. Right. However, um, I can understand. I can understand, and that's where I'm drawing that line there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, you know, I guess in a sense, I've been, let me back up a little bit. Last right. week, I had a moment of what I thought was grief. Some grief right. there. But there was also a sense of loss of like, what am I missing? Why can't I seem to keep this and maintain this momentum going of right. feeling good about myself? We're, we, I've seen people who actually like Mel Robbins, and I'm sure she has her down days too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen people who seem to feel they exude that positivity of really grasping and understanding and loving life. And it's like, God, I want that. Right. And that's what I want for my own recovery. Mm-hmm. And then when I uncovered that, wow, okay, here is this one piece, I've done all of this work and this mm-hmm. one piece has been holding me back. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited now that I've uncovered that, yep, it was a definite genuine loss of mm-hmm. rites of passage, knowing there's some I'm never going to get back ever. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking at trying to ways to create 
new rites of passage, new ways of developing my independence of being, of uh, taking my confidence even deeper, even my confidence with raising my grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, they, they come in spurts, they come in moments. So mm-hmm. I want momentum. I want to maintain that. And I love that idea of the high five because that's a physical, actionable type um, exercise that can be done on a daily basis or as many times in the day if you want. Right. Um, yeah. Because this is, yeah. again, it's a little thing that can matter so much in the end. You know oh my what I mean? gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because sometimes we just forget to do the little things that definitely affect us in the long term. And that's something that's so easy to do that'll take two seconds out of your day, out of the 24 right. hours you have, it'll just take two seconds to do that can definitely. Right you know, determine how that day plays out, how that week plays out, how the rest of your life plays out, you know? So I think it's important for us to think about things like that. What made you feel that you were worthy of trying that? What made me feel I was worthy of trying that? Just, just realizing that, um, you know, you, you made the mention earlier of, you know, seeing all these other people kind of be positive and, and, and the, and there's, I guess, in their situation, the spotlight and things like that. So Uh I had to just remind myself that even though I've done all this growth over the years, especially with you and everybody else, that I'm still going to have struggles, these unexpected situations, these, these moments that life just throws at me to, you know, test me to, to try to get me to revert back to my old kind of ways or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I have to remind myself that I can't let the unexpected really phase me. I can't try to control what I can't control. Um, and the, and for the things that I can control that I just need to just, just do what I can to stay above water, keep my head above water. You know what I mean? And, and, and just, knowing that I owe it to myself in order to live the life that I really want to live, that I envision for myself, that nobody else is going to get me there except for me. Yes. People may lend a helping hand. Yes. May, people may be supportive here and there, but at the end of the day, it's my life. It's my life to live. Everybody else has their own life to live. I'm in, I'm, I'm accountable for my life. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, every, everybody's accountable for their life. I'm accountable for my life. So it's, it was kind of me putting myself through that kind of thought pattern, that process and, 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 and that routine that, you know, high-fiving myself in the mirror to really just reiterate that point again for myself, even though I've preached it numerous times to people, but sometimes like, I'm sure you can relate to this. Sometimes it's hard to practice what we preach to people. So yeah. we, we find ourselves subject to, you know, the other side of that piece of you know positive words or 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 wisdom or whatever the case may be we find ourselves still needing to yeah yeah we still find ourselves (laughs) needing to hear that you know from somebody else or whatever even though we preach to other people all the time and you know it it just it just took me hearing that again to reiterate the point in my brain like hey bro giving giving me a little giving myself a little pep talk like hey man come on like you got this man don't don't let something that is this small get you down so I know that external seeking external validation is a lot different than finding somebody to help support and validate who you are. We can validate ourselves. Yes. um, Through finding things we're good at and those little pet talks, Mm -hmm. but it's also important. And I found that I, um, I, I still have a mentor, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a mentor. I think people, we all need to find that one person that we just, not rely on, but that one person that we can seek out suggestions, recommendations, and even advice when necessary. Right. You want to go where you're supported. There you go. There yeah, you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the other, the biggest one though, is developing a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is, for me, that's constant. That's every day. Mm-hmm. I, I have to, it's almost like I have to, because my trauma has been so deep. Right. I find and I recognize that I have to work with my safety every day. Yeah. It's not something that many survivors can ignore. Right. Because when we do, 
we wind up becoming angry. We can be, let our resentments sneak up on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can beat ourselves up pretty darn good. Right. Uh, instead of, you know, giving ourselves attaboys or girls. Right. Um, but you did. I want to go back to something, though, that you had talked about um, mm-hmm. a few minutes back. You were talking about how you had to work at releasing your resentments through compassion, mm-hmm. using gratitude and compassion. Mm-hmm. So I understand that, you know, we've got all ranges of listeners here. Um, for a teenager, though, who is in the midst of, you know, trying to, maybe they've had to run away from home. Maybe they're um, on their own in college and they're still feeling very frightened and, and resentful about not having that safe foundation. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, I don't want to call them words of wisdom, but do you have anything that you could share um, that might help them look at that lack of loss or that sense of loss differently? Yeah. Um, I definitely would hit the point home that, you know, their life is still they're still at early age in their life. You know, life is long. Um, yes, life is unexpected and anything can happen at a moment, moment's notice, but life is long. Um, mm-hmm. So they got their whole life ahead of them. So I'll say that, number one. Number two, it kind of, um, you know, hits back to the point that I mentioned earlier, that as much as we think that we're not in control of life, we are in control of so much that it's just unbelievable once you actually, you know, reflect on that. So I like to tell people that just because you had a bad chapter in your life doesn't mean that your story can't end well. You know, the story still continues. Um, right. You know, you being an author, I'm sure you can relate to this. You're the author of your own story. Yes. <laughs> so you, you, you hold the Absolutely. pen, you hold the pen to how it's going to play out again. Yes. Unexpected things can happen, but you can't let those une- you know, unexpected moments, unexpected traumas, whatever the case may be, you know, blind you from the good that can turn out in the end, you know, throughout your life. Um, no life is perfect. You know, like we said before, nobody's life is perfect. Yeah, we live in a world where, you know, social media is a big thing. And it's, it's hard to really see that because so many people are putting up pictures and videos with smiles on their faces and having a good time and sipping pina coladas on the beach or whatever like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling yeah. you right now, <laughs> everybody yeah. is dealing with something. Um, yes, people, some people are better at putting smiles on than others, but everybody's dealing with something. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, um, for the person that's dealing with that, even if they're a teenager or even they're, if they're an adult, talk to somebody about it, just like me and Cher are doing right now. You know, when I first met Cher, I was super afraid to open up about anything that was yep. going on in my <laughs> life, in my past. <laughs> She can tell you exactly how I looked in that moment when I was sharing myself with her. Um, Terrified. Terrified look on my face. Terrified look on my face. But yes. honestly, it's, it's on the other side of that fear where we find that happiness that we're looking for in our lives, right? So yeah. just, just taking those little baby steps, like I said before, and you know, putting, putting things into action to help us get that much closer to what we're trying to strive for as far as happiness, as far as uh, compassion, empathy, um, feeling love, giving love thing, all that good stuff. It just takes aside from telling yourself that you actually have to do it. So just, 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 just do it. And it, it, it doesn't matter who you used to be, you know, in your past, what's, what's more important. The past is coming on. You can't change that. What's more, what's more important is living in the present and, you know, preparing yourself for the future. So it doesn't matter who you were before. What's more important is who you decide to become from here. Right. Because, again, life is long. Life is very, very long. Who you decide to become from right here. That's the important part. Um, You know, fear. Fear is is is. We're afraid of an uncertain outcome. We're projecting an outcome that hasn't even happened yet. Right. Yeah. Cause either, cause that could, cause that could be due to some kind of external validation that we're seeking from somebody or some mm-hmm. judgment, some judgment or something that's causing that fear to take place. But I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Right, right. So, but I mean, I was, I was thinking about how you had mentioned, you know, that we, we don't have to be afraid. And that's one of the no. ways that I taught myself not to be afraid, which is how I knew how to look deeper. And it's a very scary thing to look deeper, especially, right. you know, when you think you've already done most of your, uh, a lot of the trauma recovery work and all of a sudden something, something sneaks up and grabs you right. like, wow, I've still got some anger that I haven't tapped into. Yeah, um, and, and I real- still have an unaddressed kid inside of me that it, I've dealt with the child, the inner child. Yeah, I forgot right. about the teen self. I yeah. completely forgot about her. Yeah, and share really quick. I wanted to interject. Like you mentioned earlier about having a hard time showing compassion for you know mm-hmm. your traumatizers and everything, and mm-hmm. I completely understand that. I'm not even going to try and argue with you on that because obviously <laughs> I never experienced that in my life, but. What, what I want people to recognize is what's more important is to show compa- compassion for yourself in that, yes. in those moments, you know, your child, your inner child, your inner teen, you know, because we just have to realize that, you know, we didn't, we didn't have those tools that we do now, you know, so we, That's didn't, it. We, we didn't understand that stuff. We didn't know what it meant to be our authentic selves. We didn't know what it meant to be vulnerable. We didn't know how to process these things. So we just did whatever we thought in that moment would help us get through those tough times. We did what we did to survive because that's what we were raised around or grew up around, you know? That's another thing to recognize too, because even in all that pain that we we dealt with in our previous life, there's just so much strength there. Because again, going back to that survival aspect, we did what we did to survive, Mm -hmm. but in that survival, we gathered so much strength within ourselves to just keep on moving forward as much as we knew how to, even up until this very moment, there's just so much strength in our previous, previous life that I think a lot of us just fail to recognize sometimes because we look at um, maybe current situations where somebody's going through um, a divorce or they just lost a loved one, whatever the case may be. And they're just, they, they just feel so hopeless. So, so weak that they can't do anything. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't look at it like that. Again, right. Life can happen unexpectedly, but there's just, you just getting out of bed in the morning is showing a sign of strength. You uh-huh. know, <laughs> just uh-huh. you, you, you still, you know, going to work to keep food on the table and, you know, keep, keep, you know, your, your child's belly full is strength in itself. Like there's just so many things that show a huge amount of strength that people have within themselves, the potential they have within themselves. But, you know, these, these unexpected moments, these traumatizing moments can definitely, uh, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought, uh, (laughs) (laughs) make, make, make us forget that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, I I think it's just really important that we we should definitely recognize that. And I hope whoever's listening, I I definitely hope that you know everything that was said today is definitely a, a good reminder of um, some things to reflect on for yourself and for your life and for those loved ones around you as well. It's all about count, it's all about counting your blessings and not your losses. Because I can guarantee you right now, Sharon, for everybody listening, you got more blessings going on in your life than you do losses. I can guarantee you that. Absolutely. You just got you just got to open your eyes more. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, we have our awareness. Right. We can release a lot of our our anger and resentments through understanding, and that right. was one of my biggest key points mm-hmm. in my entire recovery journey. Is that was the purpose of doing it, mm-hmm. and I always thought it was well because I just want to get better so I can feel better. No, it was I had to understand my own story before I could learn compassion before mm-hmm. I could develop safety, before I could give myself any kind of forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, resentments. So, you know, this whole process, even this call today, this podcast today is about my efforts to understand right. through other people's perspective mm-hmm. you know, about our teen selves, about that part of us. Because whether you have been through trauma or not, there's still a teen self inside of you that very well may be still struggling a little bit. If you're questioning yourself, why you keep going in and out of relationships, why you're still experiencing anxiety after all of the practice and development you've done or depression, or like I posted the other day, if you get to that point of suicide, right. you always need to take it from that perspective of understanding where is this coming from and keep right. peeling it back and peeling it back until you develop that deep understanding of 
it's not your fault. Right. You lost something right. at a very specific time in your life. Right. You lost your innocence, your awareness, your independence of being, and now you can get it back. Mm-hmm. You can that, get every single one of those back. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the thing there too, Cher. You can definitely get it back. And you know, talking about our past selves today throughout this call, I don't know about you, but I definitely love myself now more than I did my past self. <laughs> I sure I, I high five on that. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know, if 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 anything's gathered, if anybody's gathered anything from this call, if this has helped you, you know, reflect on your own life right now. You know, if you if you dealt with a lot of traumatizing stuff in the past and you don't really more so now today, like that again, that's just a that's just a testimony right there of yourself, of your life, and how good it can definitely get or become from you know unfortunate experiences in the past so absolutely absolutely so marvin i am i know we're pushing an hour now but um i want to thank you and Mm -hmm. god thank you for being my friend and such a big supporter and i'm not talking about a supporter of you know unbound i'm talking about or even the book goddess i'm talking about being just a, uh, a family supporter. Um, you know, we, we've shared a lot of in-depth conversations and mm-hmm. I know in the years more to come, but your words always, um, you know, leave me with things to think about. I've always found you a positive influence in um, mine and my grandson's life. Uh, for the listeners, please um, feel free to share out this podcast. Please feel free to support. Um, you can pick up my book Unbound on Amazon. And I think that's about it for today. I just would encourage everybody, please, um, you know, like, share, follow, comment, leave your comments. There'll be a question attached to this episode that you can feel free to answer. You can also reach out to me at shareunbound.com um, through the website. So Marvin, do you have any other final words? No, um, I just want to thank you so much for those kind words, Cher, and thank you again for having me on today. I was very excited when you asked me to come on again, so I'm glad we got a chance to discuss what's on our hearts, and I'm very hopeful that at least one person definitely got some, uh, something out of this call today, so I'm excited to see uh, the comment section on your IG to see what people gathered from this and um, you know, continue discussion from there. All right, awesome. It's been wonderful. A pleasure always to talk to you, Marvin. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.